Hey, it's good to be back again. Yes, it's been a while. I apologize for the delay, but I had issues I had to deal with. Luckily, not work-related. So, an update on my goats. The little ones are no longer babies. They're three and a half months old. Bigger, stronger, more independent, much more vocal eating, eating, eating. Three weeks ago, Manny came over and we vaccinated them against the enterotoxemia caused by the toxins of Clostridium perfringens, types C and D, and tetanus. Those toxins can easily kill a goat, young or old. Saturday, Manny met me at the goat barn with a bottle of the vaccine and a syringe. Time for their booster shot. He had injured his right wrist and had it immobilized. Can you give them the injections? My hand is weak, he said. I looked at the needle at the end of that syringe. It looked thick, big enough to inject a Mustang. No way, man. You're the doctor. All right. You hold the goat. Pull the skin up on its neck. Don't let them move. I tell you, if you've heard that goats aren't smart and don't have accurate memories, come over here and I'll show you differently. Each of them remembered the feeling of the needle from three weeks ago. And none of them wanted anything to do with me holding their skin up on their necks. So the man he could stick in that needle and pump two milliliters of vaccine into them. After a fair amount of their loud bleeding and jumping and trying to escape, we give all six of them their booster shots. I don't think they trust me now as much as they did three weeks ago, but they're protected from something bad. I was out in California for a week. Dawn fed and cared for the goats along with all of my other chores. Two days after I'm back, I get a call from Clifton. One of your little goats got out through the upper fence. She managed to get back in. You need to find where she got out and fix that fence. Okay, I'll do it. It was near dark. I was lying on the couch watching an exciting stage of the Tour de France. But I got up, put on my boots, and drove the mule down to the goat barn. Now their lot is on a hill that's pretty steep. Hiking up there in the near dark is no fun. It's less fun if you have six goats following nibbling on the back of your shorts, grabbing the edge of your shirt, walking in front of you and stopping suddenly to pick on some grass. Get out of my way. Which one of you rascals is the escape artist? Show me how you got out. Way at the top, I found two sections where the bottom of the fence was not taut, where a small goat could have wiggled through. I made careful note of those spots. The next morning, I loaded the mule with small logs and drove up this side of the mountain to the back of their fence. I placed the logs in the ground so nothing could scoot out under it. Okay, I drove down to give them breakfast. All right, you little escape artists, that's it for you, I said to the little ones. That night, I was on the couch reading. I hear a knocking on the back door. Bang, bang, bang. It's Clifton, who isn't too happy. Why don't you answer your phone? I called you twice. You never answer your phone. Sorry, I didn't hear it. You got a goat out again. You need to get it in. Yes, sir, I'm on my way. He stomped off. 
I jumped in the mule, drove over. Yes, I could see a small white goat on the other side of the fence, crying loudly. Now, there is no gate connecting the top of their pasture to the fields on the other side. I could have driven around it and walked up the hill, put a leash on the goat, and led her back around, but that would have been a half-hour undertaking. To heck with that. I walked up, re-examining the fence for the weak spot. Nothing suspicious. I continued climbing. It was steep. Of course, I have five goats walking with me, beside me, in front of me. Oh boy, another adventure with a master, they seem to be thinking. I get to the top of the hill. The little one runs over to me on the other side of the fence. I look over the barbed wire. It's Razzie's kid, the little female, the smallest of all of them. Now, how do I get you back? I said to her. I get ready. I stand up, lean over the fence, and I grab her by her feet, by her front legs. Okay, little rascal, get ready. You're going for a ride. I take a deep breath and exhaled as I lifted her up and swung her over the fence, setting her back on the ground. The goats were all happy again. So I continue to walk the top of the fence. I see a spot where Clifton had wired a log in place at the bottom years ago. The hole didn't seem big enough for a cat, but you know what they say about goats. If your fence won't hold water, it won't hold a goat. I looked around found some old thick branches on the side of the hill. I pulled them up and blocked that hole. The next day I ran into Clifton. We look up the hill. You found the hole? He asked. I found what I think is a hole. How do you know it's a hole? Well, I don't know for sure. How will you know? If she doesn't get out again, I'll assume that it was a place. We'll see, he said. What if she gets out again? Then I'll come back, put her in again, and look around again. So I waited. It's been five days, and she hasn't got out again yet. So I think we're okay for a while. Hello, this is Ernie Johnson, founder of Anashira. I've been gone for a while, but Dawn has been here running the business, selling and delivering soap. She's a lot better at selling soap than I am. So check out our website, anashira.com. Our soaps are outstanding, rich, luxurious, made from all natural ingredients, such as macadamia oil, shea butter, avocado oil, olive oil, and of course, goat milk from Mama and Razzie, other natural oils and essences. When you place an order, use discount code SUMMERSTORIES16. That's Summer Stories 1-6 altogether for a 16% discount. Good until midnight, September 23rd, the last day of summer. I don't care where you are. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, it's hot, very hot this year. Jump in the shower. Set the temperature so it's cool, refreshing. Take a bar of my Playa del Mar soap and lather up. Breathe in deeply. That scent will take you back to the time when you were a kid on vacation at the beach. You'll love it. So, happy summer.
I told you about my time at camp at Lake Sequoia. There's something I didn't share with you. It must have been in the spring of my last year of elementary school. It was to be my last year at Y Camp. I asked my folks, am I going to camp this summer? I figured they'd send me. They all seemed to enjoy the peace and quiet when I wasn't around. Yes, it will be your last year. Yes. Do you think you could send me to the 14-day session? They looked a little surprised. No, that's too much money, my dad said. Oh, well, what if I paid the difference? Could I go then? You don't have any money. True, I didn't. But what if I could come up with it? Would you send me? Well, I suppose so, said my dad without any enthusiasm. What they didn't know, the YMCA had a fundraising program. A kid could sell cans of butter toffee peanuts, 50 cents a can. Half of that went to camp fees for the kid. So I got a case of those peanuts and started selling them. I'd go door to door in our neighborhood. At first, my sales pitch was rather lame. Hello, will you buy a can of peanuts so I can go to camp? I sold a few cans, not enough. I worked on my spiel. Hello, folks, my name is Ernie. I need your help. If you will buy a can of these tasty peanuts, you'll help me get to summer camp. That worked a little better. And that morphed into something like, I really need to attend Y Camp at Lake Sequoia. I'll meet lots of new kids. And there are lots of healthy, structured activities. My family is not able financially to send me. If you'd buy a couple cans of these delicious buttered toffee peanuts, it would be most generous. Well, worked pretty well. I got more cases to sell. It wasn't too long before I had more than enough sales to get me to Camp Sequoia for those two weeks. I got home from that camp in August, and that was it for Lake Sequoia, I thought. The next four summers, I was stuck at home except for the weekends when Pa and I would escape and go backpacking. It was at the end of my sophomore year in high school. I was backpacking with my dad and Ernie Vio, his best friend, and my good friend too. Ernie and I were sitting around the campfire one morning after breakfast. Pa was out fishing. Ernie, he said to me, do you have any plans this summer? No, nothing special. Well, my friend, Phil Heskett, is the head of grounds and maintenance at Camp Sequoia. You know that place well, don't you? Yeah, I went there for years. Phil is looking for young men to work at Camp Sequoia this summer. If you like, I'll get him to talk to you. You'd live there with a few other kids, work on maintenance projects, washing dishes, and so on. You get room and board, and they pay you. Man, that sounds great, Ernie. Yeah. But what about my folks? I've already talked to your dad. He thinks it would be fine. So Ernie set up an interview with Phil Heskett. It was the easiest interview I've ever had. Ernie had evidently greased the skids. Are you okay living in a tent cabin with five other boys? Sure, who wouldn't be? Yeah. The job is not glamorous. Washing dishes three times a day, doing maintenance, cleaning showers, painting. Is that okay? That's fine. 
Hey, that's what I did at home. You'll have one Saturday night off every other week. We'll drive you down to Fresno and back in the supply truck. Sounds fine. You get a paycheck every other week. That really sounds good. He didn't lose a beat. He stood up. Okay, Ernie, you got the job. You start the Saturday after school's out and work until the week before Labor Day. Perfect. Phil was a big man. He stuck out his hand to shake. His hand was huge. Thanks a lot, I said. You won't regret it. And there I was, back at Lake Sequoia, back at Camp Sequoia. I suppose a lot of boys in high school, if you told them they'd have to work all summer, have to do dishes and clean bathrooms for hundreds of boys and only have four days off a month, would say, hey, not I, I don't want that. But I was overjoyed, living on a lake, no sisters to bother me, no parents telling me what to do. It seemed great. Phil told me to meet at the downtown Y with my stuff. Don't pack like you're going to Europe. A couple pairs of jeans, some socks, some t-shirts, underwear. Bring some books to read and a toothbrush. A couple of towels and a sleeping bag and you're all set. Five of us met there, all about the same age, 16, 17. Phil said, you'll meet your supervisor up at the camp. His name is Teddy. He's a bit older than you. He's done this job before. Pay attention to him. Listen to him. He'll tell you what to do. If you have issues, he can resolve most of them. Okay, Phil, sounds good. Off we went. We were to get to camp a day before the camper so we could get the lay of the land. We rode up in the back of the supply truck, air in our faces, sun shining down. We had lots of questions, but we couldn't help each other. None of us had worked at Camp Sequoia before. We'd all been campers there, but never employees. It was hot when we left, about 105. We got up to Lake Sequoia and it was barely 80 degrees. Now that was outstanding. The truck stopped in the back of the mess hall and kitchens. A big guy stood there waiting for us. Flat top haircut, blonde, muscular, intense looking. Okay, you guys, pay attention. My name is Ted, but you won't call me that. You call me Champ. Only Phil calls me Ted. I've done this before for years. I'll be your supervisor. I'll live with you. Your job is not difficult. In a week, you'll all be experts. There are a lot of rules here. I'll tell you which ones to follow and which ones not to worry about. I have a few rules of my own. You'd better follow them. First, work hard. Work together, no slackers. If you slack off, I'll have Phil get rid of you. He stared intently at each of us as he read these rules. Number two, always make the bell. If in doubt, be early. Number three, be considerate of each other. We live in a small area. We don't need extra stress. Four, be proud of what you do and do it well. Five, you take direction from me and Phil Heskett. If any camper tells you to do something, be polite. Do it only if you want to. If any counselor tells you to do something, just say, you have your own job and you take orders from Phil and me. And last, don't mess with a cook or kitchen staff. He likes to be called Sheffy. He's generally pretty cantankerous. We eat separately from the rest of the camp. 
if Sheffy is happy with us, we'll eat better. We help him out if he needs anything. That's pretty much it. Now, let's get this truck unloaded and then I'll show you our cabin. The truck was loaded with pallets of one-gallon cans of vegetables, fruit, sacks of onions, potatoes, boxes of frozen meats, and lots of other stuff. We'll get a truckload like this two or three times a week. You'll ride this truck to town and back on your days off. We grabbed our stuff and followed Champ up to our quarters, which turned out to be a tent cabin. Oh, Champ was 21, but he seemed older to me. A tent cabin is exactly that. It has a wooden floor and walls about three feet tall. It's built on blocks about two feet off the ground. It has struts that support rafters that attach to a tie beam at the top. And this is all covered with canvas, a canvas roof and canvas walls that can be rolled up and secured to let in light and air. Now this in the south, with all the summer thunderstorms and heavy wind and rain, would have been a little shaky. But it's very seldom rains in that part of California in the summer. We weren't concerned. It had no bunk beds, six single beds with springs and a mattress, each next to a wall, six areas with hooks in the wall and a couple of shelves. No raining water, no bathroom, Spartan. It did have a light bulb in the ceiling and a couple of electrical outlets. Pick a bed and settle in, said Champ. That bed and area is mine. Stay away. We have a bathroom and single shower down the hill. You'll note no one else is around us. That hill out there separates us from the rest of the camp. Nobody bothers us here. We keep our noses clean. No one bothers us. No one. Not even Phil ever comes up unless there's a problem. And we won't have a problem. Here's what we do. We do dishes after every meal. They serve three meals a day, seven days a week. It's no big deal. We have a commercial dishwasher. That works out very well. We don't serve the campers or other staff their meals. They bring their dishes out to us when they're done. They police their own tables in the dining hall themselves. So we in the kitchen staff eat after the dishes are done. We have our own table, our own area, away from everyone. After the campers head out for their activities, we clean the bathrooms and showers. I'll tell you and show you where the supplies are. Then we'll work on some project until lunch. Then we do the dishes. We eat. Then we have an afternoon project. Then dinner dishes, dinner, and that's it. Oh, one thing. There are two YWCA camps on the lake for girls. You cannot set foot on their area or their docks. You may find their staff may be interested in getting to know you. The best way to meet them is in a canoe or a rowboat on the lake. Don't be obvious when you talk to them. Be discreet. That's my advice. Oh, I have something for each of you. He took out a box of t-shirts that said, YMCA, Lake Sequoia, Camp Sequoia, Staff, and big letters. He gave us each five of them. You'll notice they are red to differentiate us from counselors and other people around here. Wear these when you're working. Oh yeah, before I forget, I have a car. If you guys make me happy, I drive you places. If not, well, I won't. 
We're just down the road from Grants Grove Village. Now, that's private property in Kings Canyon National Park. It's got a hotel, big hall. Every Friday and Saturday, there's a dance in that hall. There are campgrounds all over the park and lots of girls from all around the world. So if you want to go, we'll do it. That was it. The next day around 11, buses started pulling up. Hundreds and hundreds of little kids got out. We sat and watched as they grabbed their belongings and milled around. Hundreds of squealing little voices. Dozens of counselors trying to get them organized. One of my compadres was named Chuck. Very funny, very smart, and he could work. Chuck says, Boy, am I glad not to be a counselor. Can you imagine? By the time they have those kids organized, it'll be next Saturday, and they'll be on a bus back to Fresno. Man, you got that right. Our work week was not hard. Six of us loading racks with dishes, pushing them through the machine. It was too many. Hey, champ, we got this covered. You go do something else. We finished up. It took much less time than I'd expected. After lunch, we rested for a while until the campers had all filed into the mess hall for a meeting. Normally, we did the bathrooms and showers in the morning, but today we did them in the afternoon. We divided into units of two. I, of course, grabbed Chuck. Each team had a cart with supplies. Toilet brushes, sponges, pine saw, mops, brooms, dustpans, rags. Champ. I'm inspecting each bathroom after you finish. If you pass, I'll call Phil down. If he's satisfied, you'll never see him in the bathrooms again. All right, we hit it hard. There was no way we weren't going to pass. We swept, mopped, scrubbed, polished. It took some elbow grease to get them as clean as we wanted. Champ inspected each of them and then brought Phil down for his approval. He was happy. Teddy? I believe I got you a first-class crew this summer. In the afternoons, we had other projects. Our least favorite was digging new septic leech lines. No fun. There was always staining and painting the cabins and buildings and the docks. We all got along. We'd talk. A regular topic was the dance coming up over the weekend. That first night, we finished the dishes and our dinner, and we're sitting in the cabin, Hey, champ, I said, do you think I could bring back a reading lamp when I go home? Sure, we can throw a couple of extension cords down. Later that week, champ stood in the middle of the cabin, staring at the floor. Then he went out and laid on the ground near the door, looking under the floor. He seemed in deep thought. What's on your mind? Oh, I have an idea. I'll pick something up in town when I go home next week. Friday came around and we all got ready for the dance in General Grant's Grove Village. We got dressed and headed down to the parking lot. Champ had a cherry red 57 Chevy Bel Air. How can you afford a car like that? Working in maintenance for the YMCA. My grandpa gave it to me. He drove it for a couple of years and decided I should drive it. Well, we were heading up Highway 180 in style. It didn't take us a half an hour to get up to the dance. There were a number of kids hanging around outside. 
Champ told us before we got out of the car. The dance is over at 10.30. This Chevy leaves at 11 p.m. On the nose. If you have some romantic interests, leave it or walk. Okay? Clear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Clear. So we hung out. I wasn't much of a dancer, so I sat on a fence and talked with some kids. Chuck was a lot slicker than I was. Hey, see that girl over there? Yeah. She looked good to you? Yeah, she's okay. Why don't you go and talk to her? Uh, she's with too many people. She's looking over here. I think she wants to meet you. No. Hey, hey, sounds like that was a thunderclap from Lake Sequoia. But actually, it's here in the mountains of western North Carolina. No, she wants to meet you, I said to Chuck. I'm going to go tell her you want to meet her. Are you crazy? Let her be. He marches over there to her group. I see him talking, pointing to me. She looks, more talking. He finally comes back, alone. She wants to talk to you, he says. It doesn't look like it to me. Well, she says you have to go over yourself if you want to talk to her. I don't want to talk to her that much. It was your idea anyway. So that's how it went at most of those dances. Sometimes he'd come over with a couple of girls, and then I had to make conversation. Champ was good at hauling us around. He was ready at 11, and we drove home. My first trip back to Fresno, I jumped on the truck after we cleaned up after breakfast on a Saturday. Two of us sat in the cabin with the driver. He was on staff. We knew him. He went out of his way to take us directly home. Took me to Fig Garden. Okay, Ernie, I'll pick you up tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I'll be ready. It was strange being home. It looked like home, but it didn't seem the same. I'd barely be there 24 hours. And it was hot. 106 degrees. I'd been up at over 5,500 feet altitude. And it was mostly low 80s, sometimes not even that. Mom asked, do you have dirty clothes? No, we do laundry at camp. We have use of a washing machine. They looked at me in shock. Ernie doing laundry? My little sisters looked at me like I was a stranger. You're not staying here? No, I'm off again tomorrow. Is it lonely at that lake? No, not a bit. Are you homesick? Nah, not even a little? Nope. Mom cooked dinner that night. Fried chicken, mashed potatoes, gravy. I must admit, I did miss my mom's cooking. My dad did cash my paycheck. I felt rich. I'd, I'd never had so much money at one time. I got some books, a reading lamp, an extension cord. And the next day at three, the truck showed up. It had my co-worker in it and cases and cases of supplies loaded. My family, all five of them, stood in the front of the house and watched as I walked to the street and jumped in the cab. See you in two weeks, I called. Beverly, always a pain, yelled, We may not be here, trying to get to me. No problem, I've got a key, I hollered out. 
We got back to the camp late in the afternoon. The guys met us, and it didn't take long to get the truck unloaded. We all walked back to the cabin and told stories about what it had been like to be back in civilization again. I hooked up my reading lamp above my pillow. Okay, now I could read late in the night if I wanted. I had picked up all of Eon Fleming's James Bond novels, all of them I could find. I'd read Casino Royale and thought it was outstanding. Tough hero, authorized to shoot to kill, hot cars, beautiful women. I had everything from live and let die to you only live twice. Now I had stuff to read. Champ got back after dark. We'd done the dishes and met back in the cabin. Okay, gang. I brought back something that will make our life here much more enjoyable, he said. But mum's a word, okay? Yeah, sure, you bet. I mean, you can't tell anyone or we'll all get fired. Man, what was it, a gun? A woman? He went into the center of the cabin and drew a square, about three foot on each side. Hold on, Ernie, come give me a hand. We went down to his car. In the trunk, he had a refrigerator. Not too large, but big enough. We each grabbed an end. Quiet, don't let anyone see us. We snuck up the trail and carried it up into the cabin. The other four guys had eyes as big as saucers. Yeah, we're gonna make a trap door here in the middle of the floor. We'll dig out a small area down there for the fridge and supplies. Wow, we were impressed. So that was our project for the next few days. We sawed open the floor, made a solid door, put on hinges and a slide bolt. At the same time, we dug dirt to make a little room, piled the dirt around the edges so no one could see what was in there. We lowered the fridge and plugged it in. Champ had brought an old rug which covered the center of the floor when the door was shut. And voila, we had cold drinks. RC Cola, Orange Crush, iced tea, and we could put in some cold cuts and have a sandwich whenever we wanted. Champ had brought something else, a record player. Now we had music as well. When we returned from our days off, we brought our favorite records up. We had great rock and roll music. We just couldn't play it loud, and that was not a problem. We had downtime, quiet, after our post-dinner duties. Chuck and I would frequently get in a canoe and go out on the lake. The campers were getting ready for their nightly meetings and campfire. We avoided that completely. I went out to do some fishing, but Chuck wanted to meet the girls counselors from the other two camps. He was a piece of work with the gift of gab. My fishing would frequently deteriorate into social interaction. It was in the middle of August. Our time on staff at Camp Sequoia was winding down. One Friday night, we were all in the cabin. Champ said to us, boys, we deserve a celebration. We've learned to get our work done avoid any unwanted interaction with senior camp management, and maintain our general independence. Come with me. We had no idea what he was doing, 
we went down with him and got in his car. He drove out of camp down the highway a couple of miles and pulled off onto a fire road, drove down it a ways. We stopped, got out, and Champ went around and opened the trunk. In it was a cooler filled with ice and a case of cans of Coors beer. It's time you boys had a couple of beers and we're here in this peaceful setting. Now, I drunk a can of beer maybe twice in my life, never two in a row. The other guys were pretty much in the same boat. Those were still the days of can openers. We each opened a can, stuck our hands out, cheers, and had a swig. It was different from a can of pop. We drank a few sips. and Champ said, now don't sip it like fine wine. Take a chug. So we did. We all opened up a second can. Cheers, here's to you. One guy says, when will I feel something? I don't feel anything. Then abruptly, he started laughing, almost out of control. Before long, we were all laughing and telling jokes, funniest jokes I've ever heard. Champ was pretty good about it. He cut us off after about three beers apiece and took us on a moonlight hike to get some of that alcohol out of our systems. The rest of the summer passed quickly, too quickly. It had not taken me two weeks to finish the 10 James Bond novels that I brought up. I came back with lots of books over the rest of the summer. Chuck and I met most of the counselors from the two girls camps, at least those who went out on the lake or who went to the dances. My family took advantage of me being out of their hair they went to Disneyland, had another trip to Glacier Park. I didn't mind. Life was good where I was. The week before Labor Day, we packed up all our stuff. Loaded up Champ's fridge and the record player. We even nailed a sheet of plywood over our door in the center of the floor. If any of you come back next year, you can open this up and have your own fridge. It was kind of a bittersweet goodbye. I was looking forward to getting back to school. I figured I'd be on the varsity cross country and track teams, and Chuck had taught me how to be much less shy around girls. But I'd miss my pals and even miss the work we did. Phil Heskett said goodbye to us as we piled on the back of the truck. Guys, you've been a great crew, the best. I never had a lick of trouble from any of you. You're all welcome to come back next summer. I may even give you a raise. And just like that, we went back to Fresno and were swallowed up by our regular lives. Folks, thank you for joining me. I thank Anashira for supporting these podcasts. Without them, I wouldn't be able to share my stories. I had a question from a listener. Why is it taking so long for you to get a podcast out? Well, Anna... I don't quite know what to say. I'd like to blame it on a trip to California or the attention that my garden requires or six goats bleeding at me from the top of their hill, but that would be a cop-out. It's just, I need to be inspired to sit down and put one of these podcasts together. Send me any questions you might have and email to ernie at anashira.com. The more challenging, the better. Hey, Get on your phone or your iPad and send me an order for some unique, lovely, 
goat milk on a Shira soap. If you don't do it now, time will pass and the Summer Story 16 discount will be gone. Come back and join me for the next episode of Stories from Anashira. Thank you.